الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وسلم ربنا ادخلنا مدخل صدق واخرجنا مدخل صدق واجعلنا من لدنك سلطان نصيرا جاء الحق وزهق الباطل ان الباطل كان زهوقا اللهم ربنا اجعل جمعنا هذا جمعا مباركا مرحوما واجعل اللهم تفرقنا من بعده تفرقا معصوما وارجع اللهم فينا ولا معنا ولا منا شقيا ولا محروما وصل اللهم على سيدنا محمد واله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين الفاتح بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين اياك نعبد واياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين انعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا امين السلام عليكم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري جزاك الله خير واحلل عوضة من لساني يفقه قولي رب اوزعنا نشكر نعمتك التي انعمت علي وعلى والدي ونعمل صالحا ترضاه واصلح لي في ذريتي ما تبت اليك واني من المسلمين. ثانك يو زهير فور انفايتنج مي تو ذا توك اباوت صدري ذات اي نو فيري ليتل اباوت بات كومينج اوت اوف ا جريت سبجكت which is the subject of Shifa. And Shifa, according to the teaching of the prophets, not just Sayyidina Muhammad is very fundamental in religion. Because at the end of the day, if man looks into himself, there are three fundamental areas that need to be looked after. And if there is any discrepancies in these areas, then he will not be functioned properly. Number one, the physical body, which Rasulullah spoke about, and one statement, he says, and upon your body, there is a right. So, we are not supposed to do anything to harm or to bring uh, grief to ourselves by harming ourselves. And you notice in the modern world, harming in some uh, so called dark or spiritual areas, people do this for pleasure or for enjoyment or even for getting a height spiritual, which is wrong. You are not allowed to touch your physical body. This is number one. Number two, your nafs, the home of your desire, whereby without it, you will not be able to live. We are supposed to desire things, but in desiring, there is a right and there is a wrong. And there is a discipline in Islam whereby you should always choose to desire the right rather than the bad. And in that, sometimes we have areas whereby they need to be looked after. Especially when it comes to envy and jealousy and hatred and carrying grudges and creating problems between you and those you interact with. The Prophet taught us in a lot of his statement, a hadith, seeking refuge in Allah, Shaitan or the Shayateen. Shaitan we know in the place, and the Shayateen could be of the humans or the jinn. As Allah says in the Quran, Mishawi was wasted khanath al-lazi was wasted to the nas, nina jinnati wal-nas. So this is so important that we must think about. Jazakallah khair sahib. So this is essential in the sense that if we need to seek refuge in Allah, what are we seeking refuge in Allah from? Okay? And why? And what effect does it have? Unfortunately, nowadays, this part is neglected. A lot of people don't. The Prophet taught us a lot in the companion and their tabi'in wrote a lot of these and collected in books. And if we read them, they are self 
healing for yourself. And the third one is to do with the spirit itself. Now, the spirit, we know nothing about it, as the Quran said. However, the little that we know is how to energize it and to look after it, to be able to carry its duty, because it is that which is responsible within this complex human being, okay, which is your ruh or your soul. Now, here, the only way is through the dhikr. Indeed, only through the remembrance of Allah, the heart can receive that position, okay, or stage of being tranquil or peaceful or settled inside. And everybody who is a scholar in Islam managed to write about this silly subject, but in details about the ruh and the dhikr. Starting from Al-Hasan al-Bisri, and ending with people like Ibn al-Ghaim al-Jawzi in his book, yeah, Kitab al-Ruh. And Imam al-Ghazali later on, a lot of people they brought. But they all to be gearing towards the Ruh and the Dhikr because everything written about it from the Quran and the Sunnah can be authenticated easily. The other two, when it comes to the physical body and the nafs, there are some discrepancies because of additional information that has been put in the books. So we have a lot, and there is a lot of dispute between the scholars, how to do it and where to do it. Now, there is one clear verse in the Quran, although there are six that I mentioned talking about Shifa. This morning when I prayed Fajr, I put them together, and I'm just going to give you the reference for them, okay? And the first one, in Surah Tawbah, verse 14, Allah said, وَيَشْفِ صُدُورَ قَوْمٍ Okay? Mu'mineen. وَيَشْفِ صُدُورَ قَوْمٍ Mu'mineen. And it heals the hearts of those who believe. Here, it's, he's talking about the Qur'an. And Ibn al-Ghayim himself, he said, if there is a better healing, it's always the person to recite a lot of Qur'an. And in fact, in their time, if you don't recite the Qur'an in a day, you have not helped yourself. The second one, in Surah Yunus, and this is just by the order from the top down, Verse 57, Yunus. وَشِفَاءٌ لِمَا فِي الصُّدُورِ And a healing to that which is in the heart. Which is totally different than the first one. The first one, it heals the heart themselves. Second one, that which is in the heart. Because a lot of people don't understand. The heart itself, through time, and through the environment you live in, and through, يعني, the way that you live your life and the way that you adhere to things, the more zikr you do, the better you are, the less zikr you do, uh, the less you are, sometimes you're strong, sometimes you're weak, because iman goes up and down, it needs to be balanced. But what is inside is what we carry of that which is forbidden. So sometimes when the Quran is decided, it removes that rather than or to heal that which is inside. Number three. Allah here talks about specific medicine, which is the honey, in Surah Al-Nahl, verse 69. Allah said, فِيهِ شِفَاءُ لِلنَّاسِ In it, there is a healing or curing for mankind, not for the believers, this is for everybody. But there is a big problem now. Among the Muslims and the non-Muslims, the non-Muslims say, well, you say honey have healing qualities in it, but I took it and it did not heal me. And among the believers themselves, sometimes they say, well, any honey you take, it will heal you. They're both wrongs. 
if Allah said it will heal, it will heal. But if we notice, honey is by the environment the bees have lived and whatever they ate. And what is linked to the healing is what is inside that honey. What tree, what plant, what flower, you see. There is some honey so expensive like gold, some honey is so cheap, you see. Some honey is so tasty and good to eat, it's not. But each one has got a different quality. So the people who know how to use this, they will tell you which honey. Many people don't know there is white honey. I was once in need of uh, medicine for something that I had. And this scholar who knows this, he said to me, go and buy white honey. I said, I had never seen black honey, brown honey, yellow honey. But I had never seen black honey, white honey. He said, there is white honey. And I went and I got white honey. You see, really white, like what? And it was absolutely brilliant that it did the job for me. Number four, and this is the verse that is always mentioned about healing, which is what Isra, verse 82. وننزل من القرآن ما هو شفاء ورحمة للمؤمنين and we bring down of the Quran that which is healing or curing for the believers. Now to me this is a verse that talks about healing in general and specifically about the Quran. But also here we the Muslims don't make a mistake. We think all the Quran is healing. Those who know the medicine of the Quran they say no. Allah said ومن القرآن من هي in Arabic language للطبعين for some, some of the Quran is healing. In fact, one verse in the Quran that heals certain diseases is Ayatul Harb. There are ten verses in the Quran, they call them Ayatul Harb. One of them for healing. It talks about war, but it's for healing. Only Allah knows why, but the scholars who know, they say no. Once it has been specified, you must use it for that reason, and that's it. But then also at the end of the verse, Allah said, وَرَحْمَ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ they say it is not just the healing, it is also a rahmah. In what sense, it's not all the time that your troubles are physical or emotional or psychological or spiritual. Sometimes your, your, your problem is financial. Okay? Uh, it's social. You, you can't live with your neighbor. You want to do something. You want to have ease. So what you need to do here, to look for the mercy in the Quran. So there are verses in the Quran that can open doors. Is it? A verse you read to heal yourself. A verse you read to uh, increase your faith, a verse you read to open a door to get a job for an interview, it's totally different. And each one will do the job and there are six verses in the Quran mentioned by six either prophet or people and Allah give an answer. Like for example, Rabbi Anni Masani Addurra wa Antarham Rahimin Ayyub. And Allah then answer him. Oh my Lord, I have been inflicted with that which is harmful to me. And Allah said, because he turned to us, we have removed that harm. Okay? And we have exchanged all that which we took away from him and doubled the reward for him. Not in the hereafter, but in the dunya. And then you can go on. Among the companions, those whom the Mushrikeen came to them to frighten them. And to say to them that we are stronger, you are weaker, we have that which will destroy you, you have nothing. But they said, Hazmullah, our, our Lord is sufficient, our Savior is Allah and He is sufficient, and nothing will harm us, inshallah. Because they said that, Allah said, from Qalbu min Allah. So here, these are verses for mercy. <coughs> and you read it according to the need. Each one will sort. If you are in fear, you read Hazmullah and Amul 
if you are inflicted with something that is really bringing harm to yourself, and the scholars put this in their books, like Ibn al-Ghayyim, Ibn al-Ghazali, and the rest. The next one, or before I go to that, Allah said, للمؤمنين. Here, some also discrepancy. People think only a believer in Allah can be healed or cured. That's not true. And I can prove it to you. A non-believer can be healed by the Quran if he believes that this what is going to is going to heal him. And what you're going to do today here, depend upon that. It is self-belief. We say in Arabic, من اعتقد انتفع ومن لم يعتقد لن انتفع. If you really believe, you can open this door without a key, you will open it. It, it happened. If you don't believe, when Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam, يعني, threw his staff on the ground and it became a, stay, a snake, he was frightened to pick it up. Allah said, لا تخف. سنعيدها ثيرتها الأولى. يعني, don't be frightened. Touch it or carry it, we'll bring it back. And he was really frightened. But then when he touched it, it became back as a star. And this happened well in the desert. But look again with Fra'aun and, and the snakes. Although he saw the ropes and the sin, and they put them down, and he know this is magic. But he was still frightened. And Allah again had to secure him and said to him, don't be, don't be frightened. So here, it's a matter of you having that faith. Once you have the faith, you can do anything. And anything is possible, okay, within your soul. Number five, this was the Shu'a, verse 18. Here Sayyidina Ibrahim is trying to declare that he is a pure believer. And when I am ill or sick, only Allah can heal me. He is always there to heal me. And this is important because always we need to return that Allah. Then number six, okay, Surah Fussilat. Fussilat, verse 44. Here, this is the third verse speaking about the Quran. Say to them, O Muhammad, for those who believe, it is guidance and healing, or the cure, the Quran. Now, these are the six verses. In fact, some of the scholars, like Ibn al-Ghayyim, Ibn al-Ghazali, and some of their teachers before them, like Imam Ahmad, they say, if you are at any time feeling sick or ill, you read those six verses, and you ask Allah to heal you, He will heal you. It is, it is one of the يعني, medicine that they put from them. Now, I come here now to explain about the physical healing. We, we need to forget about the other three sides because the other three sides have got their own way. Three sides in the sense, the physical side, which is that can be healed either by medicine or by ruqya. Medicine or ruqya. What you are trying to do today here is more closer to the ruqya than medicine. The question is, are we allowed to do those things for the physical body or not? Because we are believers. If we are not allowed, we should not touch it. The second part of the physical is the psychological. And I truly believe in that we need to have more understanding and we should never touch it. Because the body is governed by the brain. And there is a lot written by the scholars of Islam and by the physicians and the doctors, and they know about this subject. So that is a psychological problem. We keep them alone. But the physical, we as lay people, we are allowed to go through because it is easy. The Prophet gave us the evidence in the hadith. We can try to heal our own even self. He said to one of the companions, if you are feeling a pain, put your hand. This is reported in Bukhari, a Muslim. Yeah? 
and I can read it for you. Yani, he said in Sahih Muslim, Uthman ibn Abi al-As, the companion of Allah Ta'ala Anhu, came to the Prophet complaining about the pain in his body. He said, Ya Rasulullah, sometimes I have pain in my body. He said, don't you know that if you put your hand in any pain and you read, depending on Allah will heal you, he said, show me how. He said, put your hand where the pain is. Okay? And then say, okay, three times, Bismillahi, Bismillahi, Bismillahi. Simple. He's not teaching him rocket science. Because everything you begin, you have to begin with Bismillahi. Why three times? Because the Prophet all the time repeats things three times. Either at that time he's teaching him to make him reassure, yes, you must say Bismillah. You could say it once, but the Prophet way of reassurance, repeat it three times. Or it has to be less three times. I am of the latter. I read three, three times all the time. Because I think it is good. Okay? And then say seven times. And this is important to me. Why seven times? Why not three? Specifically, he said to him, and then repeat seven times. What shall I repeat seven times, Ya Rasulullah? Salatullah, he asked. I seek refuge by the honor of Allah. Or in the honor of Allah. وقدرته and his power من شر ما أجد وأحذره from that which is evil and harsh upon me or hard upon me and I'm feeling and that I'm worried about because whenever you have pain or you have a sickness you are worried you are not really worried that pain is there what's the consequences what's going to happen next if my eye is itching and it's watering am I going to get blind Okay? If my knee is all the time up and down, it's aching, is there going to come a day where I need a wheelchair? All of us feel the same thing. We're humans, after all. So that's the worry. So here he said, okay? From the evil of what I am finding in pain now, but what I'm worried about later on that will come across. Could you just repeat the other? The Arabic one. Okay? A'udhu bi'izzatillahi. وقدرته وقدرته من شر ما أجد وأحاذره لكن من شر ما أجد وأحاذره This is in Sahih Muslim by the way In Sahih Al-Bukhari The dua that which is said is different Okay it is reported that the Prophet said it in a general public meeting to people, generally, when they when you are feeling any pain or your child is feeling a pain, just read this dua, Allah Rabbi Nas, Muthib al Ba's, Ashfi anta shafi, la shafi illa shifa'uk. Okay? La shafi illa anta shifa'a la yugadru sarama. In another way. So, Allah Rabbi Nas, Allah Rabbi Nas, O Allah, Lord of mankind. مذهب البأس مذهب البأس the remover of that which is harmful أشفي أنت الشافي أشفي أنت الشافي heal for you are the only one who can heal or you are the healer لا شافي إلا أنت لا شافي إلا أنت there is none can heal but you شفاء لا يغادر صغما شفاء لا يغادر صغما a healing that will not leave any sickness or illness
Now, one of the best book I don't know whether you read it or not, to, to read about these things is Zad al-Mi'ad, Ibn al -Ghayr. You read it? Yeah, it's good. It had a lot of these things in it. And one of the references that I go to all the time, Ibn al-Ghayr al And because he went deeper, he took some of the subjects that his teacher taught him, and then he went deeper into them, trying to, to say that, well, there are some discrepancies in something, but there are things that we need to concentrate upon. Because it's all to do with faith. To me, to me personally, it's all to do with faith in Allah. So if I am to talk about what you are going to do today here, looking at this, I will say that the Prophet ﷺ is being taught in the Quran that the ultimate healer is Allah. The ultimate giver or taker is Allah. The ultimate source of energy that you can benefit from here or hereafter at any moment of time, in any place, space, or time, is Allah. Allah said in the Quran, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم وما توفيقي إلا بالله عليه توكلت وإليه أنيب وإليه أنيب وما توفيقي إلا بالله عليه توكلت وإليه أنيب And my success is only by Allah. Upon him I depend, and to him is my return. You as people who are trying to learn any knowledge, you must always think the ultimate source of knowledge is Allah. This is for a believer. Because there is nobody else who can give you that. Because you don't want to doubt your faith. Number one. Number two. There is no will nor power without him subhanahu wa ta'ala giving you that okay, way ahead. So whatever you do, whatever you utter by your tongue or do by uh, your hands, okay, whatever you try to enter into, always think, Whatever you achieve is by Allah. Allah said to the Prophet ﷺ indicating this clearly, Oh Muhammad, you have not shot in the battle when you shot, but Allah allowed you. So here the allowance is from Allah. So when a doctor diagnoses an illness, Allah allowed him to be able to diagnose. When a medicine you take, this is the medicine that I'm drinking. I shouldn't think the medicine is healing me. I should think Allah is healing me. But the medicine is sabab. Everything, there must be a reason why Allah has created and the reason is in the benefit that or the harm that can bring to you. So the Prophet taught the companions and they taught their students that we must always believe everything that deals with our life comes from Allah. Because in your three identities, your physical body, your nafs, and your ruh, the ruler, as we say, is your ruh. This is you. Your nafs is allowing you to live. Without it, you will die. Your body is the vehicle that you require to live on this earth. If it's no longer there, you cannot live. If somebody's head is chopped off, you can't. Unless they find a way of sewing it back. And they are trying now. Serious, they are trying in, in many universities. How can they heal? or take a head, put it in somebody else, they can't try. And in Islam we say they can't try anything they want to because knowledge is there. Okay. So what, what I'm trying to tell you is, when you sit, inshallah, with Brother Zuhair today and think, whatever he tells you, return everything to Allah. And whatever you need to do or read, what, one thing that we, we, we insist upon is to do with the, what we call the ta'weed or the ruqya. Now the medicine itself, according to the Prophet when you read the Al-Mi'ad, you find, and other books, it can be 
something you drink, it can be something you eat, it can be uh, something that can be read and blown upon you, it can be something that is read and you carry, it can be what we call uh, a breath, breath somebody just breathe on you, you just told me outside, it's a breathing. Now who spoke about this a lot? Ibn al-Ghayn himself. And uh, he reported, and I, I'm sitting thinking there uh, in his book, that one of the students of Imam Ahmad, Imam al-Marzawi, okay? Imam al-Marzawi, one of those people who was concentrating in these areas of healing people inside. And he wrote to Imam Ahmad about something that is happening to him. You know what Imam Ahmad wrote to him? I can't remember it, but he wrote to him some verses from the Quran, about three or four lines. He said, Just ask him to carry this. Now, this brought then a debate later on between other scholars. Are we allowed to carry a ta'weed or not? And what is a ta'weed anyway? Before Islam, people used to write things and they hung it on their animal, they, had, they carried it in the bottles. And not just among, there's no Islam, not just among the Arabs, among all people around the world. It used to happen. Even now, you see people doing those things. Sometimes they tattoo it on themselves. Now, the issue here, for the scholars who say it's fine, is to whom are you returning this honor of giving you what you are asking? If it is Allah, fine. But if it is something else, then it's not fine. So here I will say, when we are reading a ruqya, what are we reading? If it's the verse of the Quran, I'm happy with it. If it's the hadith of the Prophet, I'm happy with it. If it's a dua that does not contradict the Quran or the Sunnah, I'm happy with it. But if it is where that I don't understand, then I need to know what they mean. Because in many cases, if the homage is paid to other than Allah, then I'm worried. You see, it's why the killing or the sacrifice in the Quran, if it's not for Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim then it is wrong. We cannot even eat the flesh of it because it killed or slaughter or sacrifice for something else besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here, rest assured, whatever you do, if you link to Allah, it's fine. I'm going to conclude by giving you a story of how the Prophet used to deal with these issues. Once upon a time, it is reported he وسلم, was called to a camp he was in with the companion. When they travel in, in the desert, we have something called the Hawdid. The Hawdid, maybe Sa'id, you know, is the tent they put on top of the camel for ladies and children and the elderly to sit on because of the heat. But once you are traveling a shorter journey, rather than erecting a tent to sit on that, they take this howdah and they put it, so it is short, like this will be high a little bit. So we sit underneath it until we are relaxed and we climb on top of the camels and we can travel more. But the young men, or the strong men, they don't. They just sit on that, that's no problem. But for the women, so, there was a man who was very ill in one, under one of those. And the companion came to the Prophet and said to him, Look, so and so is so sick, we don't know what to do. That means they tried what they know about healing him from Ruqya or whatever. It didn't work. He said, Is there anyone in Medina who can understand medicine, physical medicine? They said, Only the Jews, Ya Rasulullah. He said, Go and get me some. Someone or some people who can come. So they went and they returned with two Jewish physicians. And of course, because of the uh, animosity that they are, just like now, some of the company were not really very happy. Why are they here? The Prophet 
wanted to teach them, whoever can heal should be given the chance to heal. Because not a matter of somebody who believes in Allah can heal you. Anyone. It's a matter of physical body. It's nothing, nothing to do with your spirit inside. Don't allow anybody to touch your spirit but those who believe. But when it comes to your physical body, fine. If you can give your car to any engineer to look after it, it's not going to harm you. You see? So, they came in and said, look at my friend. They went in, they checked and they came back, they diagnosed. He said, did you understood what my, I think there's somebody, the door open? Did your last final class. Did you, did, you, did you check my companion, my friend? They said yes. Did you understand what he has? They both said, yes, we understand what he has. He said, which of you is better in healing him? Ayukuma, that's the statement in the story. Ayukuma atab. Tib meaning medicine. Ayukuma, who is better in his medicine in healing him? Ayukuma atab. One of them put his hand up and said, me. He said, then check my friend, adhere to his knee. And he went inside and looked after him. Now from here, a lot of the scholars then came and says, any knowledge of benefit to the Muslim, to the one who believes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to heal, to cure his ailments that are physical, by using any medicine we're allowed to use. Accept if it is forbidden. Meaning, if somebody says to you, if you drink this bottle of alcohol fully, although you're going to get drunk, but it's going to heal you, you're not going to do that. The reason is, if there's an alternative, it's better for you to take the alternative. However, today when we look at the medicine, like the coffee, they have got alcohol in them. Are we supposed to take them or not? Yes, we can. Because if it is an ingredient that is needed within the medicine, Nothing wrong with it. As long as when you take this medicine, you realize it's not the medicine that's going to heal you. It is Allah who's healing you. Okay? And you're not doing it to transgress or to do against his teaching, but to adhere to his teaching. Alaikum wa salam, mashallah. So, so in that sense, inshallah, today you will do your program, that's it, uh, and you will go through it and you will explain things. My, 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 my main issue is whatever you use, when you say, what do you repeat? If it is of another language, it must be explained. If it is of where that have got religious background, it must be, because what, what I'm trying to say is we have got like the Buddhist well, Zahir is from Birmingham, so it's bound to be another language. The Midland language. It has to be explained because I noticed a lot of the medication that is done by the Buddhist. And a lot of Muslims think it is okay. It's not okay. Because what they repeat sometimes, it is religious. It there is, is no, there is no. No, I know. Nothing. I know. I know. I trust. <laughs> I trust in what you do and I trust in what you say. My, my coming here, my sitting in front of you, by the request of Prophet Zuhair, is that he's, alhamdulillah, a religious man. He does a lot of uh, religious work to heal the spirit by uh, making people listen to the recitation, things like the Burda, and things like that. Because this is the thing that, just like the people of the dunya, they want songs. Like many people meet me, Brother Yusuf, and say, you are really my idol, <laughs> like my God. When I listen to your music, I'm in a different world. 
You see? That means music lifts them. So for us, the Quran lifts us up when we recite it. When we recite, recite beautifully, okay? Or somebody recite the attributes of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. This is the idea. All this is to uplift our spirit. So he tried to do that. But then suddenly he came across these things and he asked me, are these allowed? And I said to him, of course, as long as it can help the people. If it helps the people, I'm with it. If it doesn't help or hinder, then no, we should keep away from it. So may Allah make it inshallah easy for you to understand it and to benefit from it. And if you have any question, ask me because I'm going to leave. <laughs> Maybe the... Um yeah. Sheikh, you could mention the verse which might be relevant. Uh, yeah. Because wasn't this verse initially revealed about the non-Muslims? Yes. Because from what I remember, the people of Medina or Quraysh, they had a doubt that Allah would send a human being as a messenger. Yes. So Allah is saying to them, okay, if you have a doubt, then go and ask the Jews and the Christians. Who did I send as messengers to them? Yes. They were human beings. Allah. So Allah said to them, ask the people of knowledge if you don't know. Yes. Meaning go and ask the Jews and the Christians. Yes. So maybe there's some relevance. And also, if you can relate it also, where the Prophet said that go to China even to seek knowledge. It wasn't religious knowledge that they were going to go and get. No, but what, 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 what Brother Hassan, may Allah reward him for that. It is important. There is a lot to be said, to be honest with you, about this subject. But first, Al Ahl Dhikri. In the verse that can be عام and can be خاص. عام, general, and خاص, particular. And I like the explanation of, of the عام because it is at the end of the day that the reason of revelation. Why it was revealed? It was revealed, as Prophet Zafar just explained clearly, that their request for somebody to come to them, to bring them the message from Allah, is not the way Allah Taala intended. And therefore, that is the lack of their understanding of the knowledge of Allah. Because if they have knowledge, before us they were Christian, they were Jews, they didn't have Malaika open in this area, they're messengers. Whom did they have? They have human beings, like Musa and Isa, Yahya, Zakaria. May peace and blessing be upon them all. So here, it literally gives us, if we take it a little bit to ourselves, that anything you don't understand, don't indulge in it or enter into it or try to get more of it until you ask somebody who knows about it. Make sure that you are doing the right thing. Because as a believer, you are responsible for the knowledge you learn. Anyway, don't take anything. And I don't say just, I read it in a book. This is serious. So, like Ibn Ghaim and the rest, they always say, knowledge is taken from the hearts. And that's why, even if you look at the knowledge of Islam, Hadith, Tafsir, all these things, taken from one person to another by the tongue, related by, from one to another. But then, okay. Knowledge, as Brother Zuhair himself says, is not really the knowledge of knowing who Allah is, but the knowledge of anything that can link you to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As long as we can go out and get knowledge to enhance our living, to be able to live in peace, security, and tranquility, to be able to worship Allah, then we should seek it and we should find it. To make easy the living for the human being who is complex in the four areas I mentioned. Yeah? Give to your body, give to your mind, give to your nafs, give to your ruh, that which will make it function properly to be the man or the woman that Allah wants you to be. Because you are going to act on his behalf, subhanahu wa ta'ala, to fulfill the amana that you have undertaken to carry in this world. And the amana is la ilaha illallah. Okay? So here, the Prophet said, Talabul ilm faridah, seeking knowledge is compulsory. When the companions were asking about this, 
The only thing that I can say to you, in all the interpretations of the hadith written by Bukhari, by Muslim in their interpretation of the books, okay, even like in Wanawi, okay, in Sahih Muslim, they say the ultimate knowledge is who Allah is. This is the ultimate knowledge. But any other knowledge is important. But you can put knowledge by importance, the knowledge of Allah, the knowledge of the Prophet, the knowledge of the Quran, okay, the knowledge of the worship of Allah, and so on. You go like that down. But any other knowledge is important. And the Muslims are the people who have established the collection of knowledge as an important thing in one place in Darul Hikmah in Baghdad. Al Khalifa al Ma'mud realized there's a lot of knowledge we don't know, but it can be beneficial to the Islamic state. So he brought the Greek and translated their knowledge. And the Greek, by the way, their knowledge will be vanished in, their, in that time if he did not give that permission. In fact, today they are thankful. Because a lot of the Greek knowledge is translated into Arabic, okay? And then the Indian knowledge also being brought in. And he encouraged translation. Although later on people came and said, translating the Quran is haram. I don't know where it comes from, you see? But all this is at a time whereby everybody was trying to encourage everybody to learn Arabic. You see? And we're becoming lazy now, so the translation become more easier. They said, no, learn the Arabic so that you can get that pure. So inshallah, this is the knowledge you have learned. This is the knowledge somebody has given. And it can bring benefit to us, and it can give us a reassurance that there is a lot that we don't know. When Sayyidina Musa said, I am the most knowledgeable, Allah said, go. There are others who know, but seriously, you don't have to be a Muslim to have knowledge. I know for a fact there are people who are living today who are not Muslim, they have a lot of knowledge we don't know at all. Who's teaching them? I believe it is Allah. Why? To guide them to Him. Some of them they are, some of them are not. Some of them, the knowledge is taking them away from Allah. Some of them, the knowledge is bringing them closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whenever I look at this spaceman, the one who speaks with the... Sydney, uh, Stephen Hawkins. I look at this, this is a very knowledgeable man. Seriously. When you look at this Islamic knowledge about space, this man knows. He understands a lot of things. I don't know whether he read the Quran or not. But for the deeper knowledge of the Quran, of his speaking about things that we don't know, and explained by some of the scholars in vague ways so that people don't misunderstand it, he knows. Who's taught him this knowledge? Allah, but through the physical way of his investigation. Obviously, Allah gave him some intelligence to understand things that we don't understand. Is he a Muslim? He's not a Muslim. But can we take his knowledge? Of course we can. And we do today. A lot of things. Many of us fast Ramadan by seeing the moon through the technology. Any more questions? Yes, I'm going to go.